So I went from quickly being a newlywed woman to being a caregiver for my husband, my mom who lives with us, and my son with intellectual disabilities and being the sole earner, but I did it. And not only did I do it, I absolutely adore what I do. And I am that walking testament that you can overcome. You can create a life, not just that you're surviving, but that you're thriving and loving it. But you have to be willing to do the work. So, you know, I did a lot of reading, Wayne Dyer, Abraham Hicks, Gabby Bernstein, you know, a lot of that, a lot of prayer, a lot of yoga, a lot of wine, but Mm -hmm. I got past it. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I have the best kept secret and I'll share it with you today, but you have to promise to tell everyone. Promise? Pinky promise? Okay, here it is. Drum roll, please. (laughs) Midlife is an awesome opportunity. Yep, that's the secret. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I am sure you're not surprised that this is what I'm saying, but I'm here to tell you that most of the people you know are not thinking of midlife as an opportunity. We've all heard of the midlife crisis, and if you've experienced any life difficulties lately, and who hasn't, you might feel like you're in the middle of one. But what if what you're in the middle of is actually one gigantic opportunity. What if this is your moment to make changes in your life that will lead you to greater fulfillment, to greater happiness? What if this is your moment to take charge of your health and wellness? What if this is the time to slow down and get to know yourself better? What if this is your moment not to care what other people think and just do what makes you happy? I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. She would fully advocate for all this, by the way. Her name is Allison Jacobson, and she has overcome many hardships in her lifetime, including the death of her infant son, a contentious divorce that left her broke, her second son's intellectual disabilities, and the rapid physical decline of her second husband due to primary progressive MS. Allison credits these experiences with leading her to her ultimate path of coaching and empowering women in midlife. She is the host of the podcast, Midlife Mavericks, and founder of a community of the same name. She's a motivational speaker, author, coach for midlife women, who want to reclaim the dreams that they had before they took on the roles of mom and partner and caregiver. She's on a mission to help women get past their fear and self-doubt and live a kick-ass life. And she doesn't just talk the talk. This past November, she ran in the New York City Marathon for the first time, and she wasn't even a runner before she decided to take on the challenge. She was able to do it purely because of her mindset 
and her commitment to train so she could make it happen. I can't wait for you to hear her story. Oh, but hey, before I forget, next Tuesday, February 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern time is the next Zoom gathering for the Midlife Uprising community. So consider this your official invitation to join in. Since our gathering is a week before Valentine's Day, we will be talking about the importance of self-love, what it looks like, and how to accept and love ourselves. Yes, even in midlife, and especially in midlife. You can get more information at midlifeuprising.com, but you don't have to go there now, especially if you're driving. I will remind you at the end of the episode, and there's a link to it in the show notes as well. Okie dokie. Without further ado, here's Allison Jacobson. Hey, Allison, thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, Vaughn, thank you for having me. And I'm so glad we found each other. Me too. We're neighbors. It's so crazy. Yeah, I, I was looking at your social media posts and there was a picture of a beach and I'm like, I know that beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. You're just like one town over from me and you're in the woodsy area. That's so pretty. Yes, I am in the woodsy area to the point that I, I have my fellow women who go walking in the morning and we got the text alert saying there's a bear walking up the street. So you might want to be careful. And I'm oh. like, I used to live in LA. Like that's just such a bizarre concept still to me. <laughs> that's so funny. How long have you been in the area now? So I grew up here and uh -huh. then I decided I can't stand the winter and I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. So I said, let's move to LA. And literally knowing no one, I just picked up and moved to LA when I got out of college and I started, I got a job in the entertainment industry. I found a place to live. I started working at a production company. And then very shortly thereafter, I opened my own business in public relations, doing PR for commercial production, editors, everything. And uh, yeah, so I was out there for 10 years. I knew I'd want to move back here. So I picked up bi-coastal companies and uh, it was five women working for me. And then I sold it at the age of 28 to one of the world's largest PR firms. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I had a similar move, um, but in my later, a little bit later in my mid twenties and made the move to New York that I had always wanted to do from Texas and uh, again, knew no one, d just like, you know, saved up some money and uh, a wing and a prayer. And no, I didn't even have a, a place to live when I first moved here. I stayed with an aunt in Maine for a week, yep. came down and stayed with the one person I knew who was a playwright whose shows I had done in Denver. And uh, and he very generously let me, he and his wife let me stay with him for a week while I hit the pavement because back then there was no Googling and uh, found a roommate. And thank goodness I found an amazing roommate. Like, like, it's so funny because everything fell into place, you know? Well, and you know what, that's what I love. And, and, and I think that's so important how to live your life. And I just did my own podcast about fear of failure and why you need to fail. And there's I was so just many listening people... to it. And I was like, yes, Allison, yes. Preach sister. So, so tell exactly. us about this. And there's so many people that don't take chances and don't take risks. And literally when I opened my first business, I had no business opening a company. I didn't know what I was doing. And if I had known what I was doing, I never would have done it. And so there you go. So sometimes you just got to go for it. Yeah. 
And now you're doing something completely different. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, funny enough, I have two jobs because everybody should have two jobs, right? Sure. I, um, I am a coach for women in midlife who want to get past fear and self-doubt and remember who they were before they were mom and wife and adult caregiver and all of that. And just get back to those dreams and goals and get past the self-doubt and do what they want to do in life. And so I just, I love working with women. I love seeing them come out like that. The other side of what I do is I am CEO for a national nonprofit, First Candle, and we deal with sudden unexpected infant death. My first son, Connor, died of SIDS in 1997, mm. and I took a seat on the board of directors. I left when I had my other kids, and I came back in 2016, and it it really feels like coming back full circle. And it does dovetail with what I'm doing because while I'm dealing with sudden unexpected infant death, it really starts with moms. Healthy moms make healthy babies. And so I'm doing a lot around the reproductive justice and health inequities, the maternal mortality. Here's a horrifying fact. There is more likelihood that young women now die in childbirth than 50 years ago. Are you kidding we me? No, it is horrible. We have the worst maternal mortality rate in the industrialized world. And it's outrageous. What could be the reason for that? Well, there's some. So first of all, I would highly encourage anybody to go watch a documentary, Aftershock, that is on Hulu. It was done by Tanya Lewis Lee. She's Spike Lee's wife. And mm -hmm amazing, amazing documentary. So there's a few things. There is the high rate of C-sections. The mm -hmm. rate of C-sections has skyrocketed. And along with the rate of C-sections skyrocketing is the maternal mortality rate. Mm. And then you throw in racism. The rate of deaths among black women is three to four times higher than white women. And it's that I have heard that yeah, I have heard. Wow. They're not, there's a couple things. One, they're not being listened to. Mm -hmm. it's a, just a ridiculous fact that doctors believe they don't feel as much pain. So they're not, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the story of Serena Williams, Serena Williams, like one of the highest athletes who knows her body almost died because they didn't listen to her. Wow. And so, you know, that gets back to kind of what you and I do, right? Empowering women, because mm -hmm. when you look at how women are treated in the healthcare practice, in financial. I mean, come on, up until 1974, we couldn't even buy a home on our own. And so it's so important that women stand up and speak out. It really is, you know, and, and having, I don't know about you, but having been raised as um, I'm 54 years old, um, Gen X, uh, and having been raised in the, era that I was raised, I feel like I grew up taking for granted the the rights that we as women have enjoyed in my lifetime and was so unaware. I didn't know this about women that women didn't weren't didn't weren't able to have credit cards yeah. until the 70s. Had no idea. Yeah. Like that that is just staggering and very scary to think that we could be on a slippery slope going backwards. We yeah. are on that slope. Yeah, we're on that slope. And you're right. I mean, I, I was the same way. You know, I, I grew up in this happy little bubble, not having 
any idea of what's going on. And the fact that we have to tell our daughters this now, that our daughters almost have to now do what our mothers were doing in terms of advocating and lobbying and and really getting involved. It's just, it's a scary world. And, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before about the idea of being polite, right? I mean, we were all taught in school, like if if the boys were roughhousing, oh, boys will be boys. But we got the credit if we, you know, paid attention in class, were polite in class, and that's that's the 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 message we get from everywhere is be polite, don't be shrill, you know. And we have to be, and that's why you know I I named my group Midlife Mavericks because we need to be mavericks. And stand out, stand out in that crowd and get loud and get get noisy. Yes, absolutely. I love the name of your group. And it's so in line with what I'm doing with Midlife Uprising. Again, to like yes. let's, you know, let's make some waves and not lie down, not disappear as we get older. I don't know about you, but I feel like midlife is this golden opportunity to step into our power. We have a lifetime of experience and talent behind us and things that we know how to do. And if we can get past the fear of of how we're being perceived in the world and what might happen if we fail, if we can get past that and, and really take care of, first of all, take care of ourselves, and take care of ourselves in body and spirit, we're setting ourselves up for the next, very likely we're going to live another 20, 30 years. So At what least. is that going to look like? Are yeah, we going to be you know, sitting around and, and feeling bad about the way things are going? Or are we going to step in and affect change for ourselves and others? I think midlife is the best kept secret. I think our younger sisters don't understand the freedom we have to say, I don't give a rat's ass what anybody thinks about anymore. You know, I look at my daughters and the drama of the friendships and, and all of the relationship drama. It's like, I don't have that anymore. I don't do drama. It's just too tiring. So yeah, I completely agree. I think the greatest challenge though, is the, you know, we almost have the double whammy of sexism and ageism. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I have too many of my clients who are high level executives who all of a sudden are being let go after 30 years at corporations at the C level. And so you're right. We need to, I mean, that's why I love that we met. We need to just have this groundswell of midlife women who are going to say, hell no, I'm not going to take it anymore and really step into our power. We owe it to that next generation to show our value. And like you said, I mean, we've got 30 years. I can't imagine the idea of not doing what I'm doing and and sitting around and and retiring. I don't even know what that word means. Yeah. It's like, if you think about it, 20, 30 years is, is a lifetime, really. Some people make it to 30 years and they're done. And here we are, and we could have that 30 years ahead of us. So that's a lifetime. It really is. And I think it's constantly pushing ourselves, right? Pushing that next level. If you, if you have a goal, you got to have another goal. it's, it's the journey that keeps you alive. And so I never say, you know, everybody, so we'll talk about this too. I just ran the New York city marathon. I've never run in my life up until last November. I never ran more than a mile, 
And, and I did it because as first candle, we have bibs for the New York City Marathon. So we had a team of 23. And for the past four years, I've gone and watched the marathon. And I said, oh, I should do that someday. And last year I said, I should really do that when I'm 60. And then I'm like, you know what? That's a cop-out because that's in the future. I'm going to do it now. And so I trained and I ran the marathon. And I think it's so important that as women, we always have that next step. We keep growing mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, all of that. Wow. And so you just, you made the decision a year ago, trained for a year and did it. And did it. And did it. And phenomenal. I started, well, and it was so funny because I did, again, this goes back to, you don't know what you don't know and you have to do it. So I just randomly said, I'm going to run the marathon. And all of a sudden these people were saying, so what, what training program are you taking? And I'm like, I don't know, the Forrest Gump. I just start running. (laughs) I don't even know what you mean by a training. And so I had no idea what goes into it. And fortunately I did start finding some great marathon sites. Um, when you run with the New York City Marathon, you can get a virtual trainer. So I did learn everything that I had to learn. And it was fabulous. I learned so much about myself and my body. It was incredible. Amazing. I'm so happy for you. So proud of you and just amazing. Amazing. I can't stop saying amazing. Um, I want to know what what prompted you to start to become a coach? What, what, from from your own personal experience and your life, like that, I think there's something that drives people to to do that. And I'd love to know what it was for you. Well, you know, I, I have to tell you, I, you know, I lost my son in 1997 to SIDS. And while I would do anything to have him back, I truly credit him for putting me on the path of where I was meant to be in life. I started out as a theater major. I was in public relations. So I always loved speaking and I I, I did a lot of it um, and communicating. But never in my wildest dreams did I think I would go down this path. But the, the grief I had over losing him and how it fundamentally changed me and made me more empathetic because I, I'll never forget, I was working in Manhattan when he died and I took several weeks off and I went back and I was on the train and I looked at people all around me and I realized everybody has a story. Everybody Mm -hmm. has a pain. Everybody has a vulnerability. Some just hide it better than others. And so it made me so want to help other people. And then I went through an absolutely horrific divorce. I know every divorce is horrible, but this one was really horrible. Like the judge died in the middle of a trial. Like you can't make this up. It was, it was really bad. Mm. Um, and after that I lost, I literally spent every dime because we had attorney's fees and the kids and all of that. And my second son has intellectual disabilities. So we had to have a special person for him. And so I, I literally spent every dime getting a divorce and I, you know, we live in very affluent communities where you don't talk about financial problems and you don't talk about it. A lot of it is behind closed doors. And I was so down at that point. I went, you know what? Screw it. I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to talk about this. And I was in this mastermind group of women entrepreneurs in my town. And I started sharing everything I went through. And then I started sharing how I got past it and how I got over it. And they were the ones that said, oh my gosh, you need to be a coach. 
oh my gosh, if you could get through this and share. And all of a sudden I became almost in my town, this divorce whisperer. So anytime I was seen having coffee with a woman, they assumed she was going to be getting a divorce oh and I was going to be coaching her through. It was oh hilarious. Um, People were like, so I'm I, sorry, Allison, I can't have coffee right. with you because of the it, talk of the town. Is- exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, that started and then COVID came up and I did more online coaching. But then I, I realized it was more than just about a divorce. What I realized is women were coming to me for career advice because they were feeling pushed out and and no longer needed. And how do we reframe a career after maybe you've been out of the workforce for a while? Or they were coming to me for a divorce and how am I going to make it on my own after I've been married? And I realized it wasn't about the relationship. It was really about the mindset of the woman. And so I pretty quickly transitioned to coaching women in midlife to get past grief like I had gone through, you know, overcoming bankruptcy, debt. Um, and then P.S., I met and married an amazing man from Match. So yes, that does work. Um, he was a pro <laughs> golfer. And um, unfortunately, four weeks after we got married, he was diagnosed with primary progressive MS. So I went from quickly being a newlywed woman to being a caregiver for my husband, my mom who lives with us, and my son with intellectual disabilities and being the sole earner. But I did it. And not only did I do it, I absolutely adore what I do. And I am that walking testament that you can overcome. You can create a life, not just that you're surviving, but that you're thriving and loving it. But you have to be willing to do the work. So, you know, I did a lot of reading Wayne Dyer, Abraham Hicks, Gabby Bernstein, you know, a lot of that, a lot of prayer, a lot of yoga, a lot of wine, but I got past it. And so that's really why I do what I do. And in fact, I just wrote my first book. It got published. So yes, I ran the marathon and I published my first book all in six weeks. Um, But it is Daily Inspirations for Midlife Women, a guide to peace, joy, confidence, and success. And it's available now on Amazon. So that's been really exciting because to see women come back to me who were broken and just feeling like they had nothing left and doubting themselves become these thriving, fabulous women is just such a joy to me. It is so gratifying, isn't it? And wow, you are moving and shaking, lady. <laughs> Holy cannoli. So what I wonder now, now you're you're caretaker to three people. Yeah. Being a caretaker to one person can be the type of thing that just sinks somebody. And, um, and how do you take care of yourself? How did you find time to train for a marathon? Because that is no joke. That is, that is a serious commitment to the training schedule. It's not like you just get up and go for a run on the day of the marathon. So what, how are you able to do what you're able to do? Two jobs, the coaching, the write a book, run a marathon. Tell us your secrets, Allison, please. The secrets are personal boundaries. It really is. You know what? So I'm, I'm very fortunate, even though my son has intellectual disabilities, he is able to do things. So he takes the trash out. He undoes the dishwasher. He helps me mow. He helps me snow blow. And as soon as I knew that he had intellectual disabilities, I said, I don't care about academic knowledge. I care about life skills. 
And so I made it my priority to make sure that he could handle things on his own. Now, I don't think he'll ever drive, but he can certainly use an Uber. He certainly knows how to use his phone. So giving him that independence helped me. Um, I love my mom. My mom is awesome. She handles a lot of things in the house. I mean, she is 85 years young. In fact, she and I are taking a cruise together to Alaska next year. Wow. Um, and so she she's just this can-do phenomenal woman who helps me as well. And then when it came to my husband, it was very interesting because we'd known each other for two years, but it was a new relationship. And, you know, I... I am not a woe is me kind of girl, as I'm sure you can imagine. And mm -hmm. I said to him, I will support him emotionally, financially, every which way, but he has to be the best person he can be himself. And he was a pro golfer. So one of the things that bothered him was he could no longer golf. Well, he found something called the Paramobile, which is a golf cart that stands you up. It straps you in. You can go out to the golf cart, to the hole, and it stands you up, straps you in, and he can play golf. So not only is he back to playing golf, but he also recognized the importance of volunteering and giving. So he is with an organization called the Stand Up and Play Foundation, which gives these paramobiles to military vets, to people like that. So he teaches adults with intellectual disabilities, how to play golf. He teaches stroke victims, military victims. So he has his life. And, you know, then the point was, well, I had these visions of what our life was going to be like, and that was going to change. And I said, we have our lives together. We go to dinners. We we do a lot of things. We're going on a cruise for 12 days in, in this coming year. But I also have my life apart that I really protect and I have my time with my girlfriend. So my one girlfriend is the one I do activities with. And we go, you know, paddle boarding and canoeing and everything like that. And so I am very selfish of my time because I know that it's self-care. Selfish gets a bad rap, that word. It's not. I'm so with you. I am so yeah. with you. If I, so what happened for me was uh, as I was in my late forties and I was really not in a good place mentally and, and, and just was, Mm, low energy, couldn't focus, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, when I started taking care of myself, when I started getting selfish about that, if we want to call it selfish, I started getting up early in the mornings before my kids so I could meditate and so I could exercise every day. And I committed to doing it for 30 days. And after that 30 days, and I was not a morning person, I'm going to say this. So it was not easy. Um, it required shifting my bedtime because I yeah. was used to staying up until midnight doing photo editing and different things like that. So it was like, okay, well, if you're going to be getting up early, you got to go to bed earlier. And so those boundaries I can hear. So I'm, I'm looking at that. Oh yeah, that that's it. That's definitely part of it. But I was thinking about it today. I was in a in a clubhouse room where they were talking about self-care and it was business women. It was women in business was the name of the group. And I thought, you know, if I hadn't started taking care of myself, I never would have started the podcast. I never would have started this community for women. So from the energy that it gave me and all, and actually the hope that it gave me, that was when I really started looking at, I started feeling better. And I started thinking about the next 20 to 30 years in a new way, because all of a sudden I had energy I didn't have before. And I thought, wow, if I can keep this momentum going, if I can feel good well into my 80s, 
then what's possible? What can I do? And then I started thinking about how I wanted to spread that idea and get, you know, and so when you take care of yourself, you have more to give. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's that excitement of hope, right? Yeah. It's It's that wonder of what can I do? Yeah. Oh, I love that answer. Boundaries, taking it's so care important. of yourself. And, you know, my, and my husband bought into it. And like you said, I mean, I am a morning person. So I'm up, I mean, I'm asleep by 930. I'm up at 5am. And that to me is a, it's, it's a non, you know, th- that happens no matter what. Um, and so I would go running and I would run, you know, I think there was one point where I was running four hours in the morning on Saturdays. And then I would do like five miles and seven miles during the week. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a absolute, a guarantee, no matter what. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I just am bowled over by everything that you have managed to do and that so much of what you're doing has come out of the the suffering that that came your way you know i'm so sorry for the loss of your child a divorce is a whole other sort of grief you know and it you're an example of somebody who's taken all that and turned it around into what can you do in the world and you know how to make a difference for other people so i, I thank you for that Thank you. And I think, you know, those are the people and and part of at First Candle, we have bereavement support groups. And you can almost tell the people that are are going to really be okay because they do want to give back. They they want to do something in honor of their child, but it's also healing them. Um, and I think that's so important to, you know, that's one of the other challenges in this country. We don't, we've never been taught how to grieve properly. You know, you hear about the stages of grief, but what most people don't realize it's it's not a linear stage. It it goes back and forth and it's messy. And so many people think there's a, a, a kind of a deadline for grief where, okay, it's a year. You should be fine by now. And you're not. But yeah. grief makes people uncomfortable. And we have to be okay with our grief to allow it to come out and be okay with other people grieving. We it's hard for us as a society. Yeah. It's amazing the the whole idea of of trying to make a difference in the world for other people and what that does for you. It's like um ah, it's like a magic trick of resilience to to take what was your maybe the worst moment of your life, the worst part of your life and take it and turn it into into something that is going to help other people grow, which then just helps you flourish. It it really does. And when you think about it, you really only have two choices. Either you're going to do that or you're, you're going to just crawl into a hole and die. So you just don't have an option really, but make it the best. Like I said, like the thought of just surviving to me, that's not a life. Nope, not at all. Not at all. My goodness. So you've got the book out. Yep. How do people get a hold of that? Is it on Amazon? I'm going to assume. It is on Amazon. It's in paperback and it's in Kindle and it's daily inspirations for midlife women. I also have my site, Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N dash Jacobson 
Dot com And I've got a lot of free resources up there for people um, that they can download. They can find out about working with me as a coach. Um, I have one freebie, five steps to release fear and live boldly to start giving people the idea of, you know, how to do that. I have a self-study course on seven days to end your limiting beliefs, which, oh man, between imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs, women just, we bash ourselves, right? Oh, it's hard. Yes. Oh, Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and it, and as much as I've gotten better about it, it's still, it's, it yeah. is not a one and done. I'm just going to no. say, right? It's like constant, uh, constant vigilance. <laughs> well, it's funny when I, when I started training for the marathon, it was probably, it was spring because I was running outside and it was probably March and I was running like seven miles, eight miles. And I'd be running. And then I'd see these people around town or in all the gear and everything. I'm like, wow, they're a real runner. And I'm like, are you listening to yourself? <laughs> it's like, I, I still couldn't think of myself as a real runner. And it was just, it's crazy what we do. And people had to say, uh, yeah, you're running that much. You're a runner. So one, one more question before we go, but I, I want to know this experience of, of becoming a runner. Um, so two questions I think I have in here in my little head. One question is, are you going to keep running? I am going to keep running. I will never do a marathon again. Okay. Um, only because it's not great for your knees when you're an older woman. So I'll run like five miles, seven miles, but not a marathon. <laughs> Still, that's a lot of running. Yeah. And then my other question is, is what did you learn about yourself in doing the marathon in particular? You know, I, I never was an athlete growing up. So I realized that my body is stronger than I ever would have imagined it to be. I also realized that I've always been goal oriented, but this was, this wasn't a goal that I could say, well, I'll either do it today or I'll do it next month. It was November 6th. That's when I had to run the 26 miles. And by the way, when you're training for a marathon, you never run that amount. The most you run is like 17 miles and then you taper off the next two weeks. So until that day, I had never run 26 miles. So, and it's not like a, the, the goal could slide, right? It was that day. And so it really taught me how much it's about mindset. Cause I know this is going to sound crazy, but it honestly didn't feel like 26 miles. Um, but the other biggest thing was that I have no competition other than myself. If I wanted to walk the whole course, I could. So it was not like I had to compete with anybody. It was just me feeling good about myself. And, and doing something I never would have imagined and being acknowledging that goal, acknowledging that goal and acknowledging my success. Because again, women are so often, oh, that's no, no big deal. Oh, so many people did it. No, that's a big freaking deal. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for being with me today. And I'm going to have links to your website, how people can get your book and all of that in the show notes. This has been so amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Well, there you have it. I don't know about you, but when I see someone like Allison, who is able to overcome so much 
it makes me look at my own life and think, yeah, whatever has happened and whatever may happen, there's a way to keep moving. There's a way to keep thriving. We all have a choice in how we face our challenges. Oh, and I have an update for you. Since we spoke back in November, Allison has opened up a course for any woman who wants to take control of her money and completely understand her finances. It starts February 6th and it's called Confidence Equals Cash. So if you want more information about her course or would like to get a copy of her book, I'll have all the links for you in the show notes. You just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 129. Oh, and here's your reminder to save the date for next Tuesday, February 7th, the next Zoom gathering for the Midlife Uprising community. I do hope you'll join us at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can go to midlifeuprising.com to get more information. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.